0: he is so jacked for a magic user word (laughs) (laughs) is he using the one punch man exercise routine like (laughs) he's magically
1: conjuring up muscles (laughs) oh that's possible yeah don't don't do magical hgh y'all
0: hi i'm shamar griffith codename comic shams and i'm andrew tejada codename Arate. This season, we're racing through every part of the Tomorrowverse on Yet Another DC Animated Podcast,
1: part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to Yet Another episode of Yet Another DC Animated Podcast. My name is
0: Shamar Griffith, codenamed Comic Champs. And I'm Andrew Jajada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year Universal Studios was going to release a live-action Scooby-Doo movie that was planned to have Jim Carrey as Shaggy, Jennifer Love Hewitt in the role of Daphne, and was apparently canceled because Warner Brothers was purchased Turner Entertainment. Huh. You know,
1: I'm not gonna lie. Jim Carrey as Shaggy would have worked so well.
0: Yeah, um, I... no disrespect to Matthew Lillard, but like, no, he he is a he is ultra instinct Shaggy. We know that, but <laughs> Jim Carrey, you know, he could have been the lead leader of a live action movie where they run through doors and they run out of other doors and they keep running through doors for like I would watch that for an hour. You mm-hmm. know, people <laughs> just running through doors. <laughs> Well, luckily
1: for you, I think your prayers were somewhat answered, at least like 20% of your prayers were answered, (laughs) Uh, because today we're going to be talking about the beginning set of films within the Tomorrowverse, Uh, that is right, we are starting coverage on Tomorrowverse where first official film was Man of Tomorrow featuring Superman, however, throughout the entire run, we did get a chance to see several shorts that were included on all the other films, and today... We're going to talk about each one that actually connects to the universe, apparently. And speaking, the one that about many doors is the one that contains a house, a house of mystery, one may say. As we were talking about Constantine, the house of mystery. Uh, This is a rated R film, just like every other Constantine film we've ever covered. (laughs) We are about to get the deep, gory cuts of things that might give you nightmares or things you should not be showing your kids uh, for a full 27 minutes. And it's going to be a lot from this 2022 animated film directed by Matt Peters with a screenplay written by Ernie Altbacker and animation services provided by Digital Emation. Uh, they're known for Venture Brothers, Family Guy, Harley Quinn, Disenchanted. And I'm glad that you brought this up. Scooby-Doo and Crypto yes. 2.
0: Yes, here we go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this did explain why I was looking at Constantine this entire time. I was like, why he look like shaggy with a fred haircut <laughs> uh so the cast list is as follows as we have in the, in his penultimate role as the character he has played across animated and live action adaptations for eight years as matt ryan returns as constantine as a reminder he was our constantine in dc amu he was constantine in the uh 13 episode, canceled after one season NBC's constantine series that thankfully the arrowverse brought back and he had a good run on legends of tomorrow before he got changed into uh
0: i don't remember his name quite exactly oh yeah the the inventor of time travel or and he became like plants i it's it's complicated (laughs) just know that specter is making matt ryan be constantine forever
1: right Uh, Following Constantine, we got Ray Chase, who plays two of Constantine's friends, as we have Jason Blood, who we know from our DCAMU as uh, Etrigan, the demon, as well as Richie, who was also in the DCAMU. He was the friend that got turned into the foe in Justice League Dark. Uh, This is just a reminder, if your friend seems like they might be dying, actually check their polls. They may be pulling a dark, dark trick on you. Uh, Next up, he continues to give us nightmares from since his appearance in Constantine City of Demons, as we have Nagal now today voiced by Robert Atkin Downs. Uh, We talked about her last week, but today Greg Griffin hangs up her canary tights now to voice Beelzebub, one of the demons that comes for Constantine and some truly, truly terrifying kids. Like we've seen Children of the Corn. We've seen all these little kids that are singing like one, two, Freddy's coming for you. I feel like these were scarier than all of them combined. (laughs) <laughs> uh next up we got damon o'hare who is the demon Ashocks and constantine's good friend chaz and we also have tomb raider the voice of tomb raider uh camille Ludington, who is voicing Zatanna in our uh short today and finally we know his name from i want to say like 90s early 2000s television from shows that our parents watched that we probably had to watch on the sidelines as Lou Diamond Phillips is our specter for today, the wrath of God who has come for Constantine for his transgressions against the DC universe, <laughs> which from what we've seen across live action and animated, it's been a lot.
0: <laughs> what he would, he would do with David Zasloff if he had him. <laughs> oh, my God. This, this is, is for Batgirl. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, you know, actually, now that
0: you say that, I do
1: want justice in that way. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so now that we got everything all set up, let us boom tube over to the beginning of Constantine House of Mystery.
0: We start with the world looking brown and on fire. So it is 2024. That's the, the where the movie is set on our current <laughs> Earth. No, actually, it's from Apocalypse War. So we're going right back to the end of Apocalypse War. And just in case... You haven't been following the movies. Constantine does a nice quick summary. He says, the world's done. The world was just finished. Earth was was done for. So he asked Flash very nicely, could you cause a flashpoint and reset the timeline for me really quick, fam? And it turns out that he didn't just let Flash run, but Constantine specifically used magic to guide Flash through time in such a way that they would never come against Darkseid and the world wouldn't be destroyed like it was in Apocalypse War. But in an ominous statement, Constantine says doing that came at a very steep cost. Yes, and
1: that steep cost was to make yourself look like a Scooby-Doo character. (laughs) Uh, Because we do see now that Constantine opens up his eyes after a really cool animated out title sequence that he is trapped in this hall. He wakes up, he sees that there are many, many doors, um, and he starts trying to open up some. The first set that he opens up is like that, uh, I, I believe it's called like the Escher staircase. It's the uh, the one was just like the infinite <laughs> staircases that you can never find the exit to. So he decides, I'm not going to go through that route. But then when he opens up another door, he comes face-to-face with all of his friends and loved ones like Satana, as we learned in the DCAMU Apocalypse Wars uh, set of saga films. And as he's just enjoying the fact of being around his friends, uh, he gets a shocking surprise when two kids, his kids enter the room and are just very happy to see him leading to him still questioning like one, how did I have kids? Uh, this is the rated R podcast, but we're not going to talk about that. Talk to your parents about that. <laughs> um so he's wondering about this, but he's still just enjoying the fact that, like, this moment of his, this is like a dream for him. Unfortunately, though, this dream starts turning into a very dark nightmare.
0: Yeah, because, uh, again, if you're not caught up, all most of the people in this room are already dead at, as of this point. Zatanna, Jason Blood, Richie, he all saw die at some point. So that's another hint that everything's off. Uh, including his sharp jawline. That's another hint that everything's off. That jawline <laughs> could cut diamonds. But in the middle of this, his kids start coughing up blood. And af- shortly after that, everyone in the room starts coughing up blood, passes out, and they all lie on the floor dead. And Constantine is horrified, but he gets even more horrified when everyone wakes up and reveals that they're all demons, including his kids, who are a demonic little demon babies and the two kids jump up devour him and once that happens it's the it the timeline is reset but this time Constantine enters a poker game room and strangely he doesn't seem to remember his what he just learned because he just sits down to play poker once more (laughs) and uh you know what things don't get better let's say his hand is not great Yeah, because um, you know,
1: honestly to begin with, I don't think it was a winning hand <laughs> when you looked at it. It was yeah, one pair, y'all. It was it was bad. Mm-mm. Um, but as he looks on further at his hand, he notices that all the cars turn to the number six, and there's this like uh kind of like a dark arts imagery that is painted onto it. And we see as he looks up that Etrigan appears and tells him, you know what they say about bad hands. He takes out a machete and chops off Constantine's hands. As Constantine is reeling back from the shock of what's going on, he looks up again. All of his friends have turned into demons, and they immediately start to attack him, cutting him to bits. Leading to now part three of our everlasting darkest Groundhog's
0: Day you'll ever be a part of. Yeah, when they when they clapped with his hand, that's the most savage. Oh, that yeah. Oh, wow, well done. You guys should work for Darkseid. Give yourself a <laughs> hand.
1: <laughs> so as Constantine wakes back up again, he takes out this uh, magic monocle to see if there's any enchantments about where he is. I don't know magic, but everything was just illuminated green <laughs> when he was looking through, so that could either be good or bad. And then he immediately realizes he has to go through the next door. He conjures up a fireball and is ready to go in, but it does seem like... His hand isn't the only like warmed up thing that he enters into.
0: Yeah, Satana is here, and she is inviting him for a little uh, afternoon night. It, there's no time. It, it's some de- kind of delight, and, and it's here where I realize he takes off his shirt. He is so jacked for a magic user. Word! <laughs> is he using the One Punch Man exercise routine? Like. <laughs> Is that Unless he's, he's just magically magic? conjuring up muscles. <laughs> like, oh, that's possible. Yeah, don't do not do magical HGH, y'all. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, His cardio is a mess with all his cigarettes. But as he's lying there, he realizes, wait, don't we have kids? And Zatanna denies it. But he's so fixated on the kids that he can't concentrate on Zatanna. So as what happens in most dating situations like this, Zatanna breaks his neck. Um, so this causes another <laughs> reset. And this time he seems to be holding on to some kind of instinct of memory of fear. And he tries running through doors, tries stairs. So he breaks a window, Beverly Hills Cop style. And finally, he gets to go outside. But (laughs) things aren't much better out there either. Oh, no. It is a
1: desolate wasteland out there. As the only thing you see is just barren trees, gray skies, and just random pools of water around on the ground. I don't know where the water came from, but luckily for Constantine, it is key for a spell that he has to use because as he tries to run out, he realizes that he's trapped in this like force field dome and he realizes that the only way that he can figure out what's happening is to conjure up a spell that will allow him to basically swirly himself into another plane of existence. He does see that there's this like very cosmic space that's all around him. And before he can even ascertain what's truly going on, unfortunately, this demonic satana comes out, pulls him out of the out of the out of the pool of water, and takes a quick bite out of his entire torso.
0: Yeah, talk about breaking his heart. Am I yeah. right? Am I... <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. pretty awful. <laughs> uh, it was a little, a little a week too late for a Valentine's special. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the timeline is reset. A lot I really liked was that Chaz was ending on the aristocrats joke. Which, if you're not familiar in comedy, it's basically the filthiest, dirty joke. A family just says a bunch of crazy, dirty things, and the punchline is, "What do you call the act?" The Aristocrats, made famous by Gilbert Gottfried and a bunch of other comedians. Don't ever look it up. Don't ever look it up. Promise. Like I was just looking it up. I did, did not, not know that. this was. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's put my phone down, <laughs> please. As worse as you think it is, it, it's worse. Trust me. It is a really. Horrible joke. Do not bring it to church. Um, But in this reset, Constantine pretends to go along with it, but he's proactive. He swirlies himself again. And this time, he's able to recall a meeting he had with the Spectre. So, apparently right after the timeline was reset, the Spectre said, yo, this whole thing you just did with Flash, that's going to cause ripples. And those ripples are going to do crazy things to the multiverse. So you're going to be sentenced to eternal punishment. And Constantine says, look, 100%, I get it. Messed up with me to do. But do me a favor, announce my sentence, because if I suffer here alone without anybody knowing it, somebody else might do it too. So please just tell the multiverse I'm spending an eternity in the house of mystery. And Spectre's like, okay, that makes a lot of logical sense. So he does it. And on the way out, Constantine goes, your outfit sucks, which... <laughs> I can't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I also did appreciate the fact that they had him
1: this version of him that's having this conversation with Spectre is the DCAMU version. So if you like, if you were even unsure if it actually being connected at all, it's like it's almost like from point A to B and every little step in between that you are seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, though, as he's seeing this moment, he gets pulled out of the swirly once again. This time, all the demons start to attack him because they're like, hey, man, you left dinner without being properly excused. And they start eating him once again. Now that Constantine knows what's going on, he mentions in his narration that everything starts to make sense. The The veil of what was happening before, thinking that he was seeing his friends, starts to lift. So as soon as he sees everybody, he knows immediately that they're demons and he starts attacking them. He starts fighting for his life. But then Every single time that this happens, he's putting himself through perpetual torture and every death of his continues on. Um, at some point, he tries to make some fun of it, makes crack some jokes, um, like how at one point he's fighting his kids and telling them that time for you guys to go to bed by any means necessary. So as he's making this stuff, this, these jokes and just going through death, the days turns into months, the months turn into years, and the years turn into centuries. And it's realizing here that he has been trapped in this perpetual hellscape for all this time until one day when Nergal, um, the villain that we first met back in City of Demons, comes barreling through the House of Mystery uh, and captures Constantine because now he wants to have a shot at torturing the man who has given him so much pain. And it's revealed that this entire time that we are hearing Constantine giving this voiceover, is him actually telling Nergal this story of how he came to be in this place.
0: Yeah, so Nergal is here with a hot poker <laughs> to <laughs> to punish John in the worst way. And he's like, look, John, you thought you were really going to stand here and be to- and just be tortured here? No, no, no. I got the monopoly on that. I own your soul. Remember? So just as Nergal is about to get into it, two other demons show up and they're like, hey, 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 wait a minute. We, we got the soul, soul soul to us. We want that. And he's like, yeah, I so, sold my eternal soul a couple of times, whatever. And while they're confused, Constantine activates a spell that traps them in the circle. And they can only break the circle if they stop being mad. But they're so mad at each other that they can't get out of the circle. And they're like, why didn't you start torturing him immediately? Why did you wait? Um, and luckily for Constantine... The intrusion of the demons broke a hole into the world between worlds. I'm sorry, I'm a Kingdom Hearts fan, so that's just a world that never was for me. (laughs) But he breaks in, uh, breaks out of the house. And here, as he's in between the worlds, he finds the specter for the craziest plot twist, I dare say, in years for me, in any DC movie, period, Um, As he finds out why he was what he was really in the House of Mystery for. Spectre, he shares that he's not mad, but he's disappointed
1: in the fact that Constantine escaped what would have been his kind of calm purgatory. It really wasn't a prison at all. This was a place for Constantine to sit and be with his loved ones. All the ones that he lost for all over everything that happened to him in the previous universe and build out a life for himself this was supposed to be a perpetual state of eternity where none of his loved ones were going to die he would be able to build this family that he and Zatanna were talking about at one point and he'll be able to grab that pint he will be able to play that poker game he'll be able to conjure up um the the comedian that they were talking about during the (laughs) poker game and as Constantine sits with this realization he he notices that like the reason why he's been going through hell this entire time is because he's the one that's been creating the hell himself. And all he had to do was just sit back and enjoy life. That was just it. And now he's pleading with the Spectre. It's just like, can you put me back? I now know the error of my ways. Now I'm going to go keep quiet and be with the ones that I love, the thing that I truly want. But the Spectre tells him, nope, it's too late because the universe now wants retribution for what you did because clearly... You being there wasn't
0: enough. Yep. And the he looks into the universe and the universe, we don't hear the conversation, but the universe tells Constantine what's going to happen to Constantine next. He wants to defy the fate, a fate apparently worse than being killed by your loved ones for eternity. And he's pulled into the universe. And that's it. That's all we know. That's where we end Constantine's story. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, we do have two more shorts to get through. Um, So we're going to wait for our break until after the second short. Uh, But for now, what are you giving Constantine House of Mystery? How many deaths of Constantine are you
0: giving this film? This is an easy nine deaths out of ten for me. I think this is an excellent, excellent film, because not only is it a great follow up to Apocalypse War, but it does stand on its own. If you haven't watched it, they give you enough information to to use it. But if you have watched everything that comes before, it's so rewarding, all the Easter eggs in this. And most of all, the storytelling here, the, the twist that he was, this was supposed to be his paradise and he made it his hell mm-hmm. because he had let all these people down in his real life. Come on. That's so pure Constantine. That's good storytelling. And the emotion, the weight, everything here is pitch perfect. Vocal performances is pitch perfect. And the only thing holding it back is it doesn't have an actual ending because <laughs> <laughs> they're setting up things that may come into play later. So that's the only thing keeping it from a 10 out of 10 for me. No ending, no real ending to the story. But otherwise, in every other way, I, I love this. It, it's one of the, my favorite things I watched in the Tomorrowverse. And that's I'm not high praise because we haven't even started it yet, but it is <laughs> one of my favorite things. <laughs> we're, we're, how many deaths are you giving it? I'm also giving
1: it a nine out of ten because this is what I love of Constantine, how, you know, you show, write these stories, show these stories of, like, how he does all this work to make a better life possible, but showing what, he's willing, what he had to sacrifice in order to do it. I feel like every single time we've seen a Constantine story, it has had that element. Uh, I also love his ingenuity, like, you know, we don't hear about the the many other centuries that he had to go through with this. Mm-hmm. But in four takes, you see how in, like, his ingenuity in trying to decipher what's happening, what's going on. And he gets to the answer really quick. Quick, And I know that this is definitely a Constantine thing to do. The gore in the storytelling is also really amazing because at times, like, you know what's going to happen. But at other times, it's just so unexpected when you see, like, like the Zatanna scene. Like, having just this, like, mm-hmm. really heartfelt moment of them talking about hey I think I'm ready to have kids after he he and Zatanna were talking about he wasn't too sure about having them and you see something about Matt Ryan's Constantine is that you can always guarantee that at some scene you're always going to see some crazy level of growth from this man <laughs> in like five seconds he will grow his character and I love it. Also, I love the fact that Constantine is always going to be a cheeky SOB. Like every single <laughs> one of his lines is just so on par with like either giving you a quick laugh or showing you that he, even if he's not the smartest person in the room, he will be the most confident. So mm. I love that it still was there, even with a different character design. The thing that does hold it back for me is just the fact the same thing, like the ending, you know, they're setting up for the other film. So it does feel A little bit unfinished and I also wonder if like we could have actually started the film without the uh the apocalypse war flashback like I know it's a part of the storytelling but I wonder if that could have moved to when he inspector when he sees him inspector having that conversation and not necessarily having to show the scenes but just him specter he inspector talking about like you use magic in order to guide flash in order to to make this world and then I think it would have been like a double plot twist mm. like even this the way it plays out now is perfectly fine but like I think it'd be nice to see that it's just like we find out this plot twist that this is exactly directed from the previous universe and then you find out the additional plot twist that this is just a conversation he's having with Nergal and then you find out the plot twist that like <laughs> it's Spectre planned this out to be like a like a paradise purgatory for him so it's a all right st- M. Night Shyamalan all right <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, nine out of ten, definitely. Um, so very much glad that we got a chance to see this film. And then this was like a twenty-seven minute short, which is I think one of the longest shorts show or showcases <laughs> that we've actually seen from the DC universe. Because following that, even though that is twenty-seven minutes, we do find out that this is a compilation of showcases. Directly following that is something that actually premiered one year prior to when this came out. It was a part of Justice Society World War II, as we have Kamandi, the last boy on Earth. At a runtime of just about 18 minutes, as you mentioned, this movie was actually originally released as a part of the Justice Society World War II, the second um, longer film within the Tomorrowverse. This is a 2021 film also directed by Matt Peters. It was written by Paul Giacoppo who's uh, more famously known for writing several of like a 2010 era of Marvel animated series shows like um, Avengers Earth, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, um, Hulk's Agents of Smash, that kind of stuff. And for DC stuff as well, as he has written a couple of episodes for DC's Young Justice. Animation services were provided by NE4U Incorporated, which has done work on Batman Hush, Injustice and Dawn of the Croods. <laughs> <laughs> what a resume <laughs> next up we got our cast list so from shameless uh we also got gotham as he was the the i i i guess there were two versions of joker but no there's really just one but it got very confusing towards that last season
0: <laughs> there were everyone's joker
1: <laughs> <laughs> as we have cameron monaghan you know the face of every single star wars cool like the star wars games we've been seeing now as <laughs> Um, he is voicing Kamandi, the last boy on Earth today. We got Steve Bloom, who is Golgun and Tufton. We have Adam Gifford, who is voicing Zuma, the adversary of um, kind of like our pairing, a group today. And then finally, we have Armin Taylor, who has been in so many video games and other things that at first I thought his character was going to be someone that I love from Legend, <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow,
0: but has actually been Boxer. <laughs> <laughs> i fully thought he was a um, seal yeah, <laughs> I, really I, <laughs> I was
1: so ready to be like yes
0: this is it also there's something that comes up that
1: upset me the most because i was like this this would have been the perfect moment to bring up Steve. <laughs> oh yeah yeah actually
0: very similar scene uh but we'll, we'll get
1: there <laughs> yeah so let's not waste any time and boom
0: tube over to the beginning of commandi the last boy on earth so if you watch Planet of the Apes, this is going to look familiar to you. Statue of Liberty is underwater. So, you know, things have gone a bit sideways and we can definitely see it because there's a boy on the raft wearing the last pair of jean shirt- shorts on Earth and <laughs> he's rowing his little raft boat over to find his talking tiger friend, Tufton. Is that and, it, Tufton? Yeah, Tufton. Not Tony. Uh, <laughs> not John Tony. Um, And Tufton's having a little rough because right now he's being held hostage by a bunch of bootleg splinters. And by that, I do mean the rat, the giant rat, and not the wood, (laughs) not sentient pieces of wood. Um, Not Groots. (laughs) Not Groots. So they are holding the Tufton hostage, hoping to get some cat flesh. Really dark. Um, Like We're going to turn this around. (laughs) Rats eating cats. But luckily, Kamandi shows up and but unluckily, he decides to free Tufton in the noisiest way possible.
1: <laughs> yeah, he so along his journeys, uh, Kamani picked up a shotgun, <laughs> <laughs> just shotguns laying around in the dystopian future. Sure. I feel like that is against everything I've ever seen in like The Walking Dead and other. <laughs> yeah,
0: where's the ammo? Where's he getting all the ammo from? Right. <laughs>
1: So he takes the shotgun, blows off the lock, alerts everyone, and this now leads into a full-on chase. Um, It is the reverse of a guy and mouse scenario. (laughs) As they unfortunately, as they escape and exit the location, they get captured by, I kid you not, is actually called the ape cult.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, this didn't help one by Planet of the Apes comparison. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no. Uh, They're thrown into a caravan where we
1: get introduced now to Ben, just other human on (laughs) this on this
0: caravan, completely discrediting the last boy on their tagline. Yeah, because like look, okay, so in in case you haven't seen it visually, Commandy does not look like a boy. He (laughs) looks like. A guy in his 20s that you find outside of a, you know, like a Chipotle or something on a way to the sur- a surf shop. Like, he, yeah. he he looks like a full-grown man. He is the last young adult on Earth. That's yeah. what he is. Maybe the last millennial? I, I don't know. Would be an <laughs> accurate title. <laughs> Boy is a bit stretching it. <laughs> so,
1: commandi and Ben, they know each other. Uh, Tufton does not know Ben. But you would think that you would get the story of how Ben and Kamandi know each other.
0: No. We get the story of how Kamandi came to be. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Apparently there was a great calamity years ago. So Kamandi's grandfather was like, hey, I got a fallout bunker over here. Why don't I raise you and teach you everything and only bring you? And in the hope of his granddad was that Commandy, because that was the name of the base, Command D. Though if it was his grandfather, they know his grandson's name. <laughs> they, they give the grandfather's name. His name is yeah. Buddy or Billy
1: Blank, which sounds like a fake name. But at the same time, how does Commandy not have the last name?
0: Yeah. Okay, I'm realizing that now. But here's the other thing: the granddad is like, yeah, you're gonna continue humanity. And I'm like, hey, granddad, I don't know if anyone's taught you about anatomy. But humans don't reproduce asexually. So despite your good intentions, this is it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what We're was done. your plan? <laughs> Why didn't you bring any, like, yes. Anyone send, else. <laughs> anyone else. Of course, consent is important. You would have to have a conversation with a woman you brought or a young girl, however it got there. But he can't do this by himself. I'm sorry. It's it's not happening. So granddad points on saving your grandson subtracting you for remembering your grandson's name and it being so awkward. You just let him come up with one himself and not having a plan past. Let's hide in a bunker. <laughs> so after this very touching story of <laughs>
1: we arrive at the home base of the ape cult. And we are introduced to basically the world's most sentient versions of different apes um, and primates as uh, we are introduced to Golgan, who shares the origin of their current state, the Great Disaster, which we're calling now Earth AD, Earth After Disaster, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So at some point, we learned that there was an earthquake. And because of that, it caused tsunamis and this devastated the entire planet. But then at some point, a great being came from the sky. Um, it's this guy that has like a lot of muscles, like a very stylized hairstyle. Um, we don't know who he was, wink, wink. But <laughs> he somehow was able to save a majority of the people before, according to the imagery, he just fell into a cavern. And, <laughs> and now it has been gone for ages. And the belief is, is that they've brought people because they think that this person died but somehow has been reincarnated as another individual. So they're going to put people through tests or experiments, as they call it, to see if anyone might have traits of the Mighty One. And right now, we see that Kamandi, Tufton, Ben, and a new person who just, a new gorilla ape that like just travels from the back of the crowd to prove his mettle about everything, Zuma, are going to be our main contestants plus all the rat people that were taken into custody.
0: Yeah. So the first test is they have to, because the 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 great one could step on clouds, um <laughs> they gotta jump across this huge cavern. How that is equal, you figure that out, because we can't. And I I love this test because they were the the ape men were like the ape cult was like pushing spears in their backs to jump. And I'm like, can you let them have a running start? No one can jump that far from neutral. Zuma makes it. But um, (laughs) unfortunately, Tufton pulls a Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible Fallout and breaks his foot while hopping in between the chasm. Look it up. He got to work like a week after. It's incredible. Um, How human. <laughs> Tom Cruise may be the mighty one. <laughs> maybe he is. Maybe. <laughs> Let's test him. Let's put him to these tests. And in uh, his rush to save Tufton, commanding pole vaults over the canyon, which I guess isn't against the rules. Um, So he does pole vault and then kicks a bridge, basically for um his friend Billy to cross over. and. Yeah, then then we're ready to continue to the next round of this squid game. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, funny thing also about that thing that you mentioned about them getting poked in the back. Yeah, three rat people died because the (laughs) games just kept poking (laughs) them over the left. (laughs) (laughs) So, as they continue on to the second trial, it's to walk down a corridor, uh, which seems simple enough. Unfortunately, they have equipped it with laser shotguns. So... (laughs) they start shooting into the pathway because according to Golgun, he says uh, the mighty one was able to repel any weapon, no matter what kind of blast off of its hide. And as they're walking through Zuma, unfortunately gets like hit pretty badly enough for him to still be in the game. But then Ben, we find out he looks on in and he's just like, Hey, this looks like a job for a man of steel and turns into steel but not the steel
0: we wanted. <laughs> <laughs> just random aluminum uh <laughs> <laughs> aluminum man. <laughs> um, and everyone pretty much goes like, okay, cool. So they just decide to walk down the hallway behind him. But unfortunately, they released the acid, which um I don't know if uh uh the the great one was immune to acid. <laughs> if it's the <laughs> one I'm thinking of. I don't think they were either, but um Sure, so to save his friend, uh, Ben Kamandi says, Hey, I think I can turn off the acid smoke, whatever, and runs into the acid, p- using his forearms to block him himself from getting too severely burned, and then, um, turns off the acid and dunks himself into water. Kids, no, no. don't do this at home, do not, not run sinus. into acid. <laughs> I'm sure water is gonna make you feel better. Check with the chemist if you even should do that. I, I'm not sure you should. Um, but now his arms are burned with acid, but that doesn't matter actually, it doesn't matter because now we have to step into the plot of Aquaman 2 real quick. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, um, because this time we're here for the final trial. This is when we learn that the mighty or the great one could quell any beast, no matter what size it was. This is when we get introduced to the world's largest, most jacked grasshopper I've ever seen. <laughs> I've watched A Bug's Life several times, and I know that there's not too many grasshoppers in there, even though Hopper is not supposed to be a grasshopper. But like,
0: what was happening with this grasshopper that it was so damn big? <laughs> it, was, it was, uh, I'm telling you, it was drinking whatever was in Aquaman 2. Whatever, it was. where was it getting the bugs big on that island? island? Yeah, it was, the, yep, yep. <laughs> yep,
1: and um, I don't I think it was a combination of that plus magical HDH.
0: So, take it was a taking, probably. <laughs> Everyone gets a little bit, but i I do love in one of the best um really moments of friendship here, uh Zuma and Commandi are pretty much the only ones who can are capable of fighting. So Zuma commandi says, look, if we work together, we can beat this grasshopper. And Zuma's like, you're right. And throws Commandy to the grasshopper. (laughs) I absolutely love that moment. Um, But of course, it doesn't work. And Zuma gets in trouble, but Commandy saves him. And and before Zuma can even process, like, I just tried to kill you. Why did you do that? You know, and, you know, he's like, life is sacred. And in that note, he goes on top of the grasshopper, breaks the, the collar off. And is able to kind of tame the monster. And uh, Squid Game's over now, guys. Because <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: we have a winner. Uh, Kamandi is our ultimate winner. He is deemed by everyone as the reincarnated version of the Great One. So as they walk him up over to his prize, thinking maybe this might be cash. This might be food or ammo in this dystopian future. Nope. It is more close because it's revealed that the Great One wore a Superman T-shirt. It is unsure if Superman actually wore this. Sh- I'm just gonna say it because it's like, how do we know that Superman was the great one? Like, this they were like, this is the shirt he wore. If he fell into the cavern,
0: where did you get the shirt? From urban outfitters, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> there was an old Navy sale right before the world ended. Um. <laughs> All right, I take it back. You're right. That's probably where. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he is. Uh, he's a mighty one now, and um, they they talk about the virtues that he has. He displayed wisdom, sacrifice, and mercy for enemy, which is what they were really testing for. But I mean, if you test solo, how do you determine these qualities at all? Right. Anyway, Commandi says, "I am going to find Superman." that's my mission that's my character arc for six seasons in a movie and as he rides away into the sunset on his grasshopper he tells all his friends don't come and the ape cult leader seriously says he's gonna wish he didn't go because if he fails it means the end of everything What? <laughs>
1: so as we're left here to ponder what Golgan is talking about, if someone needs to check on him, because I don't know how a man on the grasshopper is going to protect us from the end of anything, everything. Uh, here's a podcast from the Ghana Entertainment Family <laughs> that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us.
0: Hello, my name is Andrew Morgan. My name is Shane Beauregard. And my name is Chris Ferdell. And together, we form like Voltron to make a brand new entertainment and pop culture podcast called Recent Activity. Every Wednesday, we will bring you deep-dive reviews of the hottest titles from around the film and TV
1: world, previews of the next big things to add to your watch list, or do fun things like top five lists, movie drafts, or anniversary celebrations of your favorite classic films. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Starting May the 11th. Now that we have covered our second short of this collected bunch here in the sheet, the DC Showcase, How many, I guess, broken Tufton ankles are you giving this showcase?
0: You know, this is going to surprise some people here. I'm giving this a solid seven Tufton ankles. This short is (laughs) insane. This is (laughs) insane. All right. At no point did I know what was going to happen next. (laughs) I was truly, truly perplexed. There's no point in breaking down the plot. Themes. It doesn't matter. (laughs) This was just, I have so much admiration for whoever said we could adapt Green Lantern, Hawkman, Black Lightning. No, Commandy, Last Boy on Earth. Let's put budget on this. Let's get this into HBO. We have to do this. This is a story that demands to be told. I don't know why you needed to tell this story, but I have to admire that you committed 100%. None of it makes sense. Seven out of 10. What nonsensical <laughs> rating for a nonsensical short?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I, I'm kind of glad that we everyone... were thinking because I had to give this... <laughs> this. This story, again... No idea where I was going with it. <laughs> but if I wasn't entertained <laughs> from beginning <laughs> to end, <laughs> would I have wanted to see more about how Ben and Commandy know each other? Maybe. It probably, I don't know if it would have been a uh, pinnacle to the plot at all, but I love the fact that Zuma straight up took Commandy and threw him at the monster. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that we got like below budget steel and, and they used every line. <laughs> The hint at it being Superman. And by the end of it, you're just like, well, of course it was Superman. Honestly, I would have bumped this up to a 10 out of 10 if it wasn't
0: Superman. Yeah. If, if it was just like Black Canary, that was a reveal. <laughs> it's just Booster Gold. It is just Booster. <laughs> no, it's, it's Tusk. That's it's who Tusk. it is. Yes. It's somehow Tusk. <laughs> That would, a, that would have been a that would have been our highest rated movie ever. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> this should have been this is the Tusk Adventure. <laughs> this should have been it. But um, but yeah, I loved the fact that, like you said, you didn't know where this this short was gonna go. The characters and the story is interesting enough that I would love to see more about what's going on, like to see how this journey plays out. So hoping that maybe in like uh more of the future crisis on Infinite Earth films, maybe
0: maybe that's where we'll see Commandy come back. He's just been traveling for like six hot films. <laughs> I, I would love if he does come back with absolutely no explanation. No one, no one explains his backstory. No one says where he's from. He's just here. In fact, I just want him to be in the background, just part of the cast. No explanation <laughs> of how he got there in the next movie. He's just hopping around on his grasshopper. The less, the less, the better for me. <laughs> oh, and also still have him hold on to the shirt. I want him to
1: hold on to the shirt. I just want him to, like, have it waving like a flag behind him.
0: <laughs> he's like, is this yours? He's like, do, do I know you? <laughs> and he's like, clearly, it's not my Small navy. What would I have? <laughs> Are you my son in another universe? I'm a boy. No, you're not. You're not, actually. <laughs> you're the last
1: college student on Earth. You just avoided <laughs> your, your student loan death. So I guess he is a true
0: hero. That's the only good part of his existence. <laughs>
1: Oh man, so Commandy, um, yeah, you, you did a good job in just keeping us entertained through these set of showcases that we're going through. Uh, so next up is a showcase right after Commandy. We get a showcase, it's unfortunately not a part of the Tomorrowverse, but watch it, y'all. If you thought Commandy was off the rails, <laughs> the loser's
0: showcase. Is the greatest off the rails film I have ever seen in my entire life. If you if you came into it like me, expecting like something like the Chris Evans movie, just even vaguely like the Chris Evans movie, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> the Get Out, no, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> it is. Look, I I don't want to spoil any of the fun. I'm just saying, this movie is. If you think Jurassic Park is too highbrow, too too smart, too science-y, you're going to love this. You're just going to love this. Mm-hmm. you also get a chance to see the world's fastest
1: man. <laughs> it is not who you think it will ever be. <laughs> <laughs> so while you're enjoying that film, you're now ready then to see the last film in this collected showcases, which is Blue Beetle. Um, This was but a first actually paired with the batman the long halloween part two was a short uh, showcase that was added on to the release of that that's weird <laughs> yeah yeah I, I again like honestly I, I sometimes get upset about these showcases because it does feel like they're just taking like the stuff that was in other films just adding it in together and just be like oh yeah this is something whole brand new like technically the adam strange showcase which we have Reference from the green lantern beware my power we're not going to talk about that showcase even though it does exist in this universe because it's explained in full detail in the beware my power so you don't you don't need to watch it if you want to go ahead you love dc go ahead but you don't need to watch it so we're not going to cover it for this set of showcase specials here. however we did have to talk about another great hero um because dc's blue beetle here Uh, Not the one that's like we've talked about at length on Young Justice. This is Ted Cord's Adventure. Um, It has a runtime of 16 minutes. It was a 2022 film that was added on to Long Halloween Part 2, as I mentioned. That was directed by Milo Newman. Uh, Screenplay was written by Jeremy Adams and Jennifer Keene. Jeremy Adams is the one who stated that Commandy was a part of this universe. So that opened up our eyes to make sure to look out and check out all these other shorts to see and make sure there's any references. And these are the ones that we did see the connections. Uh, Animation services were provided by Digital Emation, which has done a lot of stuff within not only the Tomorrowverse, but some of the latter half of like DC animated films as of late. And we got our cast list starting with the Aquaman from the DC AMU, who has finally turned himself from a fish out of water to a bug on the ground as Matt Lanter is now Blue Beetle. We got Jeff Bennett, who is voicing Captain Adam in our film, uh, for a brief scene alongside the most eccentric jazz record store um, proprietor I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Ashley Birch is Nightshade. We got David Kay, who we've known as the voice of who took over as the voice of Vandal Savage in the Young Justice universe. He is here today as the Question, and finally, um, he's been. Holding it down to Spongebob for basically our entire lives now. (laughs) As we got Tom Kenny as Dr. Spectro. So with that, let us boom tube over to the beginning of DC Showcase's Blue Beetle.
0: And we are shining bright like a diamond because that's what these squid guys are looking for. They're looking for a specialty diamond. And uh, right away, you'll notice the animation is very reminiscent of something like Super Friends. It's a little stiff. But still fun. Um, so I, I, I like that stylistic choice right away. And as they're about to get away with the theft, Blue Beetle arrives and <laughs> they immediately, to show, you know, we're far as far away as Constantine Short as possible. They play <laughs> a game of keep away. <laughs> Very <laughs> low stakes, violent, nonviolent game of keep away. Until Blue Beetle says, you know what? I'd never lose a game of Keep Away and punches one of the thugs right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and just as, of course, as we mentioned, this is
1: a very um, antiquated or not antiquated, but rather old style of animation here. We see that the diamond is floating gently down towards Blue Beetle's hands with no effort them trying to catch it while midair. And unfortunately, one of these thugs is able to grab it and get away with it. And now that he doesn't know what to do next, he's contemplating their plan. Fortunately, these questions lead to the entry of the question who enters the room and starts investigating the situation. Uh, They have like a very in-depth debate about like what is justice and why it is that these uh, thugs have been trying to steal this diamond. What could be the purpose before? And it all comes to a head when as the question is searching, he finds a bottle cap for a cola. Called Zortz Cola. And apparently it is the most dangerous drink known to man because of all the chemical additives that have been put into it. And I honestly got scared because I
0: thought they were talking about four loco. Yeah. Not since the four loco scare, not since the Panera pandemic. <laughs> um, those <laughs> drinks are dangerous, y'all. Don't drink too oh, many yeah, of those, man. So bad. <laughs> but these things are so toxic that um the, the blue beetle actually wonders, like, can I still have kids? And question goes, that is a question for your urologist. (laughs) Hilarious. It's a great (laughs) line. (laughs) Um, So having found the sort of cap, they're like, look, there's only a few places that sell this. So they end up going to a store with this very energetic hippie who is praising the merits of sorts, is drinking it by the gallon load, probably would not be useful in Commandy's world because I don't think this man can have kids anymore. Um, And he is very, you know, very free thinking. He's like, I'm not gonna give up footage of a customer that was here, but question doesn't give him much of an option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh showing that we are
1: operating the DC universe and question probably took some interrogation lessons from Batman, uh, he pulls him by his scarf across the entire like um the the counter he asked to see the cct footage um, from within the store which at first the the owner proprietor saying that like hey man i know my rights you're not allowed to do that without a warrant and pretty sure question was just like <laughs> i don't my warrant is dismissed <laughs> um so as they check the footage they see that one of the thugs this like squid gang um here apparently as they were purchasing the zort, took a penny and left the penny this is I don't feel like I have to explain it, but this was just a system that I feel like we don't see too much nowadays, where it's just like mm-hmm. apparently you just broke even by dropping pennies into a small dish. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the purpose was for them to begin with, but I guess for common decency. And... <laughs> a bad tip system. <laughs> so they realize that the best way to find where the, the squid gang is at is to take the penny and analyze it. However, they don't want to sit down and try to sift through every single one of the pennies that's in this jar. So Question and Blue Beetle grab the entire jar and just run away with the pennies,
0: with the proprietor just yelling, it's like, hey, it's take a penny, leave a penny. <laughs> I can tell this is the same universe Jake Garrick is because the heroes believe in crime. You know, <laughs> <laughs> no laws. <laughs> that's what it was. Armin
1: Taylor from our previous short is actually the voice of Jay Garrick in the Justice Justice Society
0: World War II. It's all full circle. (laughs) And also, uh, this was referenced in Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, uh, the take a penny, leave a penny, right before Uncle Ben gets shot. I don't know why I (laughs) know that fact, but I do. (laughs) Um. You see why it's a bad system, people? (laughs) Leave the penny. (laughs) It's a canon event. (laughs) Uh, So... When Blue is wondering how are they going to find it and question reasons that look, all of them wear gloves. So we just find the one with no fingerprints on it. Bing, bang, boom. And that's better detective work than I see in like half of Batman movies. Yeah. Like, yeah, It's kind of wild. So they find a slimy substance, which happens to be a polishing agent for a telescopic uh, device. You know, this is Batman 1960s kind of level logic. And Throughout the conversation they were having, there's a lot of banter about like cord products, cord industries, and cord products have a beacon. And Blue Beetle keeps denying that he's Ted Cord, but at the once he says the beacon thing, he's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm Ted Cord. It's okay," <laughs> and reveals his identity to the question. And that's when, now that we have all the pieces in place, it's time to reveal the notorious DC villain, Doctor Spectro.
1: Yes, this man is evil in fact he's so evil that he's skirted from my radar for all of existence as i am now seeing dr (laughs) specter for the first time here um but we do get a quick explanation of his abilities and his powers very much like i guess like the best way i could describe it is the rainbow raider i think it was Mm -hmm. from flash where he's able to control people's emotions um so we get a chance to hear his devious plot here where he's planning to use the power of his emotions to control the world on a larger scale, thanks to the fact of the refractive power of the diamond and telescope. This is also when we realize, because in the earlier scene, um, Blue Beetle does comment that the Squid Gang, who's normally very, you know, I guess bumbling, they were very devoted to trying to get this diamond. So they realize that it's revealed that Dr. Spectral influenced the, um, the Squid Gang to get better, to be devoted to him, and truly try to get this diamond. And this is when we see that Blue Beetle in question. They drop down from the ceiling after burning a hole through it, and now they're ready to tackle on this adversary and save the world. However, they first have to get past two of their greatest allies in this battle, which, according to Blue Beetle, is a part of the team, as shown on the comic book that he pulls out from his back pocket. (laughs) faces off against Nightshade and Captain Adam.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah, I love that fourth wall break there. And they are different from, at least Captain Adam is very different from the design. I'm used to seeing him as. (laughs) But yeah, they're completely in charge and Dr. Spectro, again leaning on that wall, he's like, goons, don't face him. I want to see the the superheroes fight each other. And the Emperor of Emotion just watches as all the good guys try to tear each other apart. But in the middle of everything, Question is able to convince Adam to change the chemical composition of Zort's soda with his powers so it becomes an antidote (laughs) that he can drink. And it works! Uh, Surprisingly, it works. And all the heroes are able to come out of it, but unfortunately not before the machine turns on and floods the city with emotions, um, completely reducing everyone to being too depressed to fight. But luckily... There's the only thing stronger than a machine powered by a diamond is the question's mind. Oh, yes, because he has the full
1: understanding that emotions are just hormonal imbal- um, imbalances within the body. So he's able to balance his emotions well enough to fight against this wave and lead the final blow, the punch, straight to Dr. Spectro's face and destroying the telescopic diamond emotion wave. I, I'm not making this up. This is exactly how it goes down, <laughs> And I'm mad that there's so much good dialogue <laughs> surrounding it <laughs> that it really had me in suspense. This is when, thankfully, uh, with everybody now in their proper state, this is when Captain Adam and Nightshade take the Squid Gang into custody. Not before Squid Gang please. It's just like, come on, man. We were just under the influence of the <laughs> Doctor Spectro. This is not on us.
0: I mean, fair. <laughs> that's a that's a very good case though i would say matt murdoch get on this um <laughs> and in the the celebration dr spectro slips away into a kind of dimensional portal um of some sort and question is really upset about it um he's just like this is not how it's supposed to go this is like objectively wrong and blue beetle goes hey you know what man how about i take you out for a nice soda and there is our ending um, of A Tale of Two Friends. <laughs> so with that,
1: we now have the final question here of how many Zort's Cola sodas are you giving
0: Blue DC Showcase's Blue Beetle? I'm going to give this a legitimate 10 out of 10. This short knows what it is. It succeeds at what it is, which is, you know, it's a send-up of e- maybe pe- even we're barely young enough for this but those really old super friends cartoons where logic was loose but they always justified it the animation had this charm to it and the characters here are just so fun they're just having a ball there's there's no point in arguing about the leaps of logic because everything's pretty honestly pretty tight it's tighter logic than commandy for sure um (laughs) It has a beginning, middle, end, and actually left me kind of like, I, I'd i watch more of this. I'd watch a season of, of Blue Beetle on the question. And I think the the choice to have everyone but use these minor characters in the mythos and I I didn't think this was legal but to have a series of shorts and Batman does not show up or is even mentioned, <laughs> I thought that was illegal, but this proved that it, you can do it. You can't tell fun stories without relying on the same two people. So I'm going to give it I think it did everything it set out to do. I don't see a more perfect version of this so I'm going to give it a 10 questions 10 answers? I don't know. What <laughs> are those on its head? How about you? <laughs> um,
1: I'm I'm skirting it down by only half a point but I got to give this a 9.5 out of 10 and the reason why it loses the half point is just because of like Dr. Spectro's escape <laughs> it is it basically a cliffhanger it, it is, you know it, and it does seem like it may be connected to um events that would pop up probably in the crisis on infinite earth storyline like i feel like his level of powers is just way too powerful <laughs> to just like put in for a short and just disappear with it but i agree i do see that this the people who put this short together knew exactly what they were working with they made it very nostalgic with just like the very feel of like the super friends and all the shows, the cartoons that we were seeing. Well, barely got a chance to see when we were younger. Um, But I did love the fact too, that they leaned into it so heavily. Um, There's even at one point where there's actually two great moments where um, in the beginning of it, we do actually, sorry, there are three, I'm going to keep, there are many great moments (laughs) that I really enjoyed. The first being is just that it has this like super jazzy intro that's very synonymous to like, bunch of like these animated cartoons that we were seeing back in the day and then when it starts we see that the squid gang is climbing up the side of the building very much like adam west batman and robin Mm. um the other thing too is that like there's a moment in which in between scenes very much like these shows they had that like title card of like who the hero is and it's spinning around real fast and then what they topped it off with was um when ted cord Announces that yes, he is Ted Cord, he is Blue Beetle. They switched the Blue Beetle logo to just Ted Cord's face. <laughs> and I was like, that is just knowing your audience very well. So I'm giving this movie a 9.5 out of 10 just because if it is trying to set up something that might pop up in Crisis on Infinite Earth, either one, two, or three, we don't see it here. Um, but it alludes so much to it. The dialogue was great, voice acting was great even the little animation goofs to try to team it up with this. um, Like at one point, I think Blue Beetle's mouth disappears as he's talking. (laughs) It works out so well that like, and it's such a self-contained story too, that you can't leave this film upset. It's a great time. You're going to have fun. Just know that you're not, don't expect like a long drawn out story because everything, the leaps, like you were mentioning, the leaps happen, but there's, they make sense (laughs) compared to most detective work I've seen on other shows.
0: Yeah, this, this still is a more coherent plot than, like, Merry Little Batman. Surprisingly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> thematically.
1: <laughs> uh, so now that we've finished out our shorts, that is how the collected edition of the DC Showcase here that came out in 2022 ended out. Um, We could sit here and talk about every single character, but I'm going to break it down for you here. Constantine, we already know all about him because we covered him so much. So if you want to know some more, definitely check out Constantine, City of Demons, Justice League Dark and um, Apocalypse War. We had a lot of great coverage on him there. Spectre is relatively new, so I do feel like they might be toying around with him a little bit more now. So I want to wait before we talk about him. Uh, Blue Beetle, we talked about at length. Question, I have so many more questions about him. He's not a a character I'm not too familiar with. So I'm going to be doing I'm going to try to do some more research on him. But I do love the fact that every single time I've seen him across. Justice League Unlimited to Batman Brave and the Bold and even here today he has always knocked it out the park as such a great and interesting character that I leave with just more questions on who he is (laughs) Uh, but today because this is a character that I feel like we may not see again (laughs) we gotta talk about Commander, (laughs) y'all hell yeah let's go (laughs) the MVP yes this man well this young adult (laughs) the, the last young adult on earth He has been um, apparently around for quite some time. And he is a Jack Kirby creation back from 1972. Very much, he was, his story, his title series was very much titled the same way as we saw it in our standard DC showcase opening, where you're walking to the comic book store, you head up to the comic and you see what we're talking about today. That's basically issue number one and what we are seeing today (laughs) here in this film. However, the story gets broken down into more three segments versus what we saw A little bit here um so the comic opens up just like our movie where Commandy is going through this dystopian future the statue of liberty is off to the side he's paddling through he comes up to a piece of land and when he's there he sees other humans oh well that would (laughs) have (laughs) been well apparently these other humans are in a feral state they don't speak they just act very just out of it so when they see Commandy, they just run away. And he continues on to his journey. Uh, he comes up to the Commandy once again. <laughs> and this is where we get introduced to Buddy Blank, his grandfather. Um, and we learned that he lived there in Commandy with his grandfather, who was teaching him about the world. Didn't really seem like there was a sense of, like, he has to be the one to repopulate Earth. It was more so this, like you just have to survive. Unfortunately, when he returned, he comes face to face against two wolves, these two wolf people, and he immediately starts to um, attack them. One, he was able to chase away, but the other one was able to get a shot. And this is the one that killed his grandfather. Mm. In Rage, commandy ends up killing the two wolves. He's able to track them down and kill them. And this is when he's just like, all right, grandfather's dead. Time for me to continue on my journey. Got to move on.
0: 90% sure he just left his grandfather in commandy. Uh, <laughs> I was like, this is like the start of a Pokemon journey. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to catch him all this separate. Yeah. It does. <laughs> <laughs> so he loads up
1: some stuff to take with him. And immediately as he heads on out, he gets captured or rather gets caught in between a war of leopards and tigers.
0: Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, the Tigers win this battle and they take Commandian to custody, bringing him to their leader, Caesar. He ends up talking with them and they're like, we want you to meet our like chief scientist, which is a dog named Dr. Canis. <laughs> Where did he get his degree? <laughs> Definitely from Ruffgers University. Uh, uh, that was a reach. <laughs> 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 so... Dr. Canis is the lead scientist with the group, and they are, he's working on something to try to help the world alongside his mutant human friend, Ben Boxer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yes,
1: Ben Boxer, uh, who could turn into anything, is canon to the comics. And this is when, this is just it. They work together. They go out. They do journeys they try to acquire things while navigating this world of anthropomorphic animals taking over and commandy being the last boy on earth um in the comic it does seem like he is about a teenager so i can see why they were like the young the 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 last boy kind of tagline mm-hmm. um but there's no like he's trying to go out there and trying to find superman or anything like that it's just them navigating this world and this is what led to the question of why Commandy. <laughs> and I'm so glad that you brought up Planet of the Apes. <laughs> because Jack Kirby created this story when one of DC's famous editors, Carmine Infantino, couldn't get the rights to make the Planet of the Apes series under the DC logo. So mm-hmm. Jack had this Commandy story written out a little bit. He decided to change up the characters. Just enough that it looks like and feels like Planet of the Apes,
0: but isn't quite Planet of the Apes
1: because they include more animals.
0: Well, I can't say based on this that they they quite got there. There's <laughs> <laughs> not too much after
1: Commandy that I can really find. Like most of the stuff I know, like people do love the character and do love the stories because it's like in the 70s just really fell in love with this post-apocalyptic world. But we do see a lot of Commandy, not in just this short, but also really a lot. I think he had at least like three or four stronger appearances in Batman: The Brave and the Bold series, uh, where we do see Tufton has um, made his comeback as like a friend of Commandy, and also Click Clock, which is the name of the grasshopper, which um, Commandy rides off into the sunset with at the end of our film today. That is also a big part of Commandy's like grouping here. But well, we what about are shoddy. Missing- uh, So fun fact about that, it's not necessary for him because apparently <laughs> Commandy can use any weapon. He is so good that any weapon that he uses comes like second nature to him, almost like a Power Ranger in the Megazord. Oh, nice. <laughs> so the shoddy is nice, but he can also pull up anything else.
0: <laughs> he could be like a futuristic green arrow if he tried hard enough.
1: That's the real story. It wouldn't make sense, though. It's like the blonde hair and the jorts. Mm. Like That is it right there. <laughs>
0: Green Arrow Beyond,
1: but worse <laughs> than Batman Beyond. <laughs> so that's the story of Command-y. Um, That's the character we were just wanted to focus on today. More of these other characters may either pop up or we already know much about them. So we'll wait on them. Uh, But that also wraps up our showcase for today. So this was a bunch of different showcases all connected to the Tomorrowverse, which are going to be starting next week, starting with um, Superman, Man of Tomorrow. Um, The art style we already know has changed. I mean, it's going to be completely different from what we've seen across Constantine Commandy and Blue Beetle, but very excited to see how these all play out, hopefully in the Crisis films that are coming out now. Um, So with that, we're going to wrap up. Be sure to support us on our Patreon and check out our socials for updates on episodes that you can find across podcast platforms and on YouTube and be sure to take care of yourselves. And always remember that if you end up in a post-apocalyptic world and you have to find out to see if you might be the mighty one, check and make sure that the prize isn't something you could have just easily picked up from Old Navy.
0: Yes. And if you end up in an eternal time loop, Just try, like, being happy. You might end up in paradise instead of, like, hell. (laughs) Thanks again for listening.
1: Yet another DC Animated Podcast is a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. If you liked what you heard, leave a review and share us with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at YADCAnimatedPod.